Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Um, it's nice to worship the Lord together and be in His presence. We um, we want to continue our "Do It Again" series. Um, we've got this week and next week, and then um, we'll see what the Lord wants to do in the new year. The week after that will obviously be the carol service and things. Um, but we we um, I suppose we, we can't really say it any more plainly than we we've believed probably from the start of the year that the Lord has been speaking to us about positioning ourselves for a moving of his spirit in our lives in a way that we've maybe never seen before. Um, and um, we long to see more. And uh, even if we don't, we know that Jesus is worth it. And he's worth giving our lives to and worth pressing into with more love and more devotion. But we do think there's a principle in scripture that unlocks um, when hungry people come before the Lord and seek him on behalf of those that he loves, that God moves and does something. And um, we're sensing an anticipation in our spirits. I know many of you are. Thank God for it. And we want to bless and honor that tonight. And a momentum building. And uh, we want to ensure that we recognize what the Lord is doing. And that we bless and that we honor what the Lord is doing. And it's an interesting trait of history uh, when you look at revivals. That where the Spirit has really moved in unusual power in the past. That there's usually before that a growing sense of expectancy. A growing sense of anticipation. And um, I know that we're kind of challenged by the pressures of life and the busyness of life. And even at this time of year, it feels like people are kind of limping a bit towards getting a break at Christmas and all of the stuff that goes on. And yet, it kind of the world, the spurt of the age, the busyness of life kind of wants to just crush and squeeze out of us the life of God at times. And the sense of expectancy, I think, that the Lord has been stirring with us. And, uh, and so I, I really feel, and some, sometimes each week as I'm preparing for these Sunday nights and thinking about them, I feel like a bit of a, a fear is maybe too strong a word, but I feel a sense of, I hope this doesn't sound a bit like a broken record, you know, kind of saying the same thing in a different way, maybe. But I really believe that the Lord has been leading us and the Spirit has been leading us and that we're supposed to not take our foot off the pedal, that we're supposed to continue to lean in, not in a human striving kind of way, but into the things of the Spirit. I'm going to explain that in a moment. The last great awakening in the British Isles was in 1949 in the Hebrides. I've referenced it a few times in the series. It was up in the islands off the northwest of Scotland. And uh, so the, the last real, real revival, which you could say happened, what's that, 70, 80 years ago now? 1949. And the preacher associated with it was Duncan Campbell, as many of you will know. And um, he joined... Um, but Duncan Campbell came as the preacher, but the kind of preceding work of prayer had been done. Um, and so when he arrived and the preceding work had been done, I referenced them a few a number of weeks ago by two old women, um, two sisters, 86 and 88, I think they were, and they prayed um, for two nights a week from 10 in, the mor- 10 in the evening to 4 in the morning, two or three times a week. And then they called the minister and said to the minister, we've had a vision that God's going to really move. You should start praying. And so he gathers the men of the church, and they start to pray. 
for about six weeks a sustained kind of prayer. And the two old women said, if you pray there, we'll pray here. And so they met, and the men met in the barn where the two old women continued to pray, and God moved mightily. And on his arrival at the, uh, at, at, on the island, Duncan Campbell said, uh, let me just run through these. Next one. Yeah, Duncan Campbell said this. Sorry, there's a bit of text there, but let me read it out to you. This is how he described it. The supernatural working of God, the Holy Spirit in revival power, is something that no man can fully describe, and it would be folly to attempt it. All right? There are, however, features of the Lewis, that's the island of Lewis, revival, which can also, which also characterized revivals of the past. So he's saying you can't really prescribe revivals or a move of God, but there are some characteristics like happened in the Lewis revival, that we should leverage and acknowledge. And one of them, underlined there, is the spirit of expectancy. Here I found a group of men who seemed to be living on the high plane of implicit confidence in God. That was a conviction and assurance that breathed in every prayer offered in that memorable first meeting of my sojourn in the Hebrides. And my first contact with this congregation fully convinced me that revival had already come. It was to be my privilege to have some small share in that. So here's a great preacher who was going to preach and hundreds and thousands were going to come to Jesus, walking into an environment where he knew that something had already started, something had already happened. A spirit of expectancy was in the air. And what I sense, you know, and, and what I feel is growing and developing as we move through this year is a spirit of expectancy is being born out of faithful prayer and concerted worship, and leaning into the heart of God. And I think that sense of expectance in the earth means that we can't shrink back, means that we can't just glide. I, I, I don't think we're supposed to just kind of glide into the next year and, and, and glide into one Sunday from the other in, in, a, in, a, in a sort of just normal set of circumstances where I think, I think we're supposed to lean in. I think we're supposed to realize that there is momentum in the Spirit I think we are supposed to believe that God is at work. I think we are supposed to stir our faith muscles at times and encourage one another and lean into what God wants to do, that we dare not give God rest, that we dare not stop until, as David says, I can build somewhere where God's presence can come and reside. So we want to get ready. We want to believe that there's fresh urgency in the air. And as we looked at last week, there is a groaning that is happening in the world. The Spirit is groaning as God's people groan and as creation groans all around us, that we join in with the groanings of the Spirit and we move. Now, the thing about it is, maybe you think, but Al, we're just a church here. We've had a few good Sunday nights. You know, surely we can't really make that big of a dent on the world. It's a small thing. And maybe it is a small thing, but the Bible is very clear when it comes to small things, not to despise small things. For who has despised the day of small things? That when God is doing something, and when God is at work, and God is stirring expectancy, that we're not to despise it, and rather we're supposed to honor it, and to bless it, and to nurture it, and to speak to it, and to encourage it into action. For anything big to happen, it always has to start small. Anyway, the big is in the small. Yeah. As we've been saying over and over, revival is renewal or personal renewal. 
gone viral. And so over the weeks, particularly at the start of the series, when I was talking about revival and trying to paint a picture of what revival really is, the big impact of revival, because remember, if it's truly revival, it's not going to just happen in here. It's going to be an, an unusual sense of God's presence in our streets where men and women will bow the knee to Jesus, where the Spirit of God will break out in schools and factories and classrooms and businesses, all of that kind of thing. It has to happen out there. And, and yet, as I've tried to paint the picture of what that is, what we feel the Spirit has been doing with us over the last number of weeks is reminding us that the measure of what we experience corporately in here will only go as deep as we're prepared to go individually and personally. And the Spirit has been really challenging about us about that. And I think He wants us to stay in this place. And so I feel like tonight what I'm supposed to do is keep us, if that's the way to put it, not like where we were last week because we always want to be moving forward, but I feel like the Holy Spirit wants us to stay around this place where He is really provoking our hearts, really getting a grip of our hearts individually, really wanting to take us deeper than we've ever been before. I have loads of thoughts about where this series could go. I have loads of thoughts about what the distinctives of a coming revival might look like. And at some point, maybe I'll share them. But I feel like the Holy Spirit just checking me over the last number of weeks, stay in this place. I'm doing something with my people. Stay in this place. Learn how to receive, to be immersed, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace because I think we could push through for quick wins. I think we could push through for other signs of success. And I feel like the Spirit really wants to do something deep. He wants us to understand that anything that we call revival, that anything he wants to do or anything that we're going to see happen is always and only a move of his Holy Spirit. And I just think he wants us to remind us of that tonight and maybe respond to it. Psalm 127. I heard someone speak about this a couple of weeks ago and I haven't been able just to stop thinking about it. I've been thinking about it a lot. Psalm 127. Most of us will have heard the first verse before. Unless the Lord builds a house, those labor in vain, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Maybe we know the next verse less. It is in vain that you rise up early and go, to late, go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives his beloved sleep. It's in vain if we eat the bread of anxious toil. The Lord cannot build his house if his people are eating the bread of anxious toil. Work, 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 work. Strive, 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 strive. Force this thing through. I'll get up earlier and work harder. I'll go to bed later and work harder. And yet all the time we end up snacking on the bread of anxious toil. When every day there is fresh manna there is bread from heaven there is a release of God's spirit every single day to release us further into his beautiful presence and what can happen is and what I'm afraid that I can do and maybe we could do is we can end up trying to force something through in our own strength we can end up because um, we don't want to miss something sometimes we can end up getting to the place where we serve God because we have to. We end up thinking, I'm going to work my way through life to get to a place where then I can serve God properly. We're eating the bread of anxious toil. 
we think to ourselves, if I can just get to this place, then I'll be freer to serve God. And we're just continuing to eat the bread of anxious toil. If I can just get through university and do a really good job and get really good results and make sure I please mom and dad and please the teachers and fulfill all those expectations, just eating the bread of anxious toil. If I can just look a wee bit better so my Instagram profile can look even better or I can show people I've got even more followers than I had a year ago, then I'll be able to serve God. Then I'll have more profile to make God known, eating the bread of anxious toil. And yet every day there's fresh manna. We keep saying no because we, we keep saying yes to things and living up to expectations because we haven't learned how to say no. We're living up to other people's expectations and sometimes trying to live up to God's expectations when all the time, all we're really doing is eating the bread of anxious toil rather than experiencing the life-giving, freeing release of the Spirit of God who leads us into freedom. Second Corinthians chapter 3, now the Lord is the Spirit and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is, what does it say? Freedom. Freedom. Free in the love of God. Freer than you've ever felt free before. Free. Completely. Utterly. Free. And some of us tonight have forgotten or never ever known what it's like to be free. To be set free in the Spirit of God. And God's church is often caught up with eating the bread of anxious toil when all along God wants to give us the fresh release of His Spirit. We all with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory. That means daily there's more freshness. There's more of the freedom of His Spirit to know. And so even though the enemy tries to tell us that life's being squeezed out of us, and it feels like we're nearing the end and we're getting more and more crushed. Jesus is saying the opposite to us. He's saying, no, there's more and more freedom as we walk into the things of his spirit. And I think what the Lord just wants us to sort of sit around tonight and to remind ourselves of tonight, and maybe some of us for the first time think about tonight, is that good old verse, it's not by might and it's not by power. It's not by anxious toy. It's a thing of his spirit. And even as we long for God to move in our land and in our nation, and as we start to think about revival, the danger is we start to try and force this thing through with might and power. The danger is we're trying to get ourselves into a place where we can be, maybe even be more effective for God. And God is saying, it's not by might. It's not by power. It's by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. So what do you have to do? Well, that's the point. The point is, you don't have to necessarily do something, first of all, other than posture and position your heart for the complete infilling of the Holy Spirit in your life. Now, that sounds like an easy thing to say. But I think some of us are scared about that. Some of us are unsure about what that might mean for our life. But God wants to teach us the unforced rhythms of his grace. People that are led by the beautiful person of the Holy Spirit daily, who daily longs to fill you afresh with righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Ghost. That's what the Bible says the Spirit will do. 
And you see, the problem is when we eat the bread of anxious toil, we end up just buying into the narrative of the culture around us. There is more anxiety in our world today than there ever has been. And if I was to say what I think one of the marks of a coming revival will look like will be the church becoming what Mark Sayers calls a non-anxious presence in the world. What is the epidemic, or one of them, that needs dealt with more in this world at the moment? It's anxiety. It's riddling. Our teenagers are riddled with anxiety. Our kids are riddled with anxiety. People are riddled with anxiety. We thought all this technology was going to make us better, and we're kind of like dealing with stuff that we never imagined we'd be dealing with. It's off the charts, mental health. It's off the charts bad, spiraling out of control. And, and the problem is the church sometimes just joins in the, in, in the kind of narrative and joins in the cultural, the spirit of the age. And we eat the bread of anxious toil and all along the spirit is saying, I want to set you free. Righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Ghost. I want to set you free. And the thing about it is, all that I'm saying, I think most of us know this in theory. But I'm not sure we often know how to receive, to receive the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I think God wants to help us realize what it is to be a people of the Spirit. To kind of pause at this point in this journey that we've been on. And to take a little bit more time in these weeks to honor what the Holy Spirit's doing. Just to, just to say, Holy Spirit, we recognize you're doing something. It might feel small, but we're not going to we're not going to despise it. We're going to bless it. We're going to tend it. We're going to nurture it. We're going to say yes to it. We're going to say yes and amen to what you're doing. Because if we don't, and if we don't understand, and if we try to push this through in our own strength, we cut off the source of our multiplication. We cut off the source of our power. The thing never gets healthy and grows. And so, if God is doing something. No matter how small it might be, we should become really, really sensitive. Really, really sensitive to what the Holy Spirit's doing. And when we feel Him upon us and moving, we should be really sensitive to that. We should thank Him for it and bless Him and honor Him for it, nurture it, not rush over it. I think that's maybe what the Lord wants to do tonight. Elliot, would you, would you come? Um, we want to honor what the Holy Spirit's doing. And the Holy Spirit's doing loads of stuff in lots of your lives. And I could have asked lots of different people to do that. But I just thought, fresh from praying with Elliot last week, could you tell us a little bit about how God moved last week? Um, well, anyone who knows me, I'm not really like the most emotional guy. And last night, last Sunday, I was a bit of a mess. Um, I just felt God really stirring my, stirring my heart and really guiding my thoughts and sort of breaking my heart for certain people and like situations, and it was just it was pretty amazing. And so when we prayed, what did you what did you feel happened as we prayed? Um, I just felt like God just kept placing like people in my in my mind, sort of people that I had been praying about beforehand, and sort of giving me people to like look out for during the week. And it really sort of, throughout the week, it really made it easier just to have my eyes like focused on him and sort of go after that there throughout the week. And in that moment of encounter as we prayed, what, what, how would you describe that? What happened? 
Um, I was just sort of like overcome by emotion. Uh, I couldn't really, I couldn't really explain it. I just, I couldn't hold back the tears, sort of thing. Um, yeah, I just really felt God just moving. So, it might feel like a small thing, but we, when things like this happen, does that sound to you like God, God moved in somebody's life, right? So, it might feel like a small thing, but don't despise the things, the small things. Don't despise the day of small things. We want to bless what God did in Elliot last week as the Holy Spirit came on his life in a way. And did you hear his words? And we're going to go into this in a moment too. I couldn't really explain it. And here's what I want to say to you tonight. Just because you can't explain it doesn't mean it's not biblical. All right? Just because you can't explain it doesn't mean it's not biblical. But if you're just, don't worry, I'll qualify that in a moment, right? But if, if you're discerning in the spirit at all, right, put your hand up just if you feel like what happened with Elliot last week sounds like God. Okay, thank you, right? The majority of people, right? So what, what you're doing there is you're not looking up chapter and verse to find out does it say somewhere in, in the scriptures, Elliot McHugh last week. You, you know, you're, not, you're not doing that, right? Because it doesn't say that. But what it does, what we do know is we can discern by the Spirit that God was moving in a young man's life last week as he responded to the Lord. Yeah? So let's take a moment. Let me just pray. Now stretch your hand out. And even just as we uh, just recognize what God was doing, maybe God will move in your heart and your life. God, thank you, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for, for even this simple testimony of your spirit coming upon one of your sons and revealing your heart. Thank you for that. We bless you for that, Holy Spirit. We bless what you are doing. And we ask, God, that you would multiply that in his life and through his life. And Lord, what you did in his life last week, you would do in the lives of other people in this room tonight. We ask right now, Holy Spirit, that in the same way that you moved upon Elliot, you would move now. You would move now in other people's lives. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Now, some of you might, even in these moments, just receive from the Lord. Some of you in these moments right now might just start to feel the Holy Spirit come upon you. bless you, Holy Spirit. We bless your presence. We bless your Just let him rest. Just let him rest. He's here. He's moving in this place.
Amen. Amen. We'll continue to receive. Give Adia a round of applause. Thanks for that. Thank you. So I just I wanted to share that for a little moment because what, what I want to try and just in a very simple way help us to understand tonight is in order <clears throat> to understand when God's moving in time of revival, we need to be a spirit-filled people who are able to discern the way of the Lord and how the Lord is looking to move. And what, what, what I want to say is, is <clears throat> you see, what the Spirit is doing, I think this is tricky for some of us, right? What the Spirit is doing isn't something that is always logical, right? It's not something that you can rationally always discern. Now, I think some of us really struggle with that. Because all you're learning all through life has been to do with rational. It's always been pretty kind of logical. Yeah, it's always something that you have to like add up. Remember, you know, even when you did maths, I did add maths, and you, 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 you know, when you kind of learned about like infinity, everybody freaked out because everything else had to like add up to something, you know, and then all of a sudden there's something that doesn't fully add up, and nobody quite knows what to do. And the spirit, well, God's a God of order, and he uses our minds. What The point I'm trying to make tonight is when the spirit is moving, we need to become spiritually discerning people, and that's not always initially logical or rational to your mind. It's a small thing at times. It feels like a gut thing. It's an impulse of the spirit. It's a small thing, but it's important not to despise it. The Bible's very clear that those who are led by the Spirit, Romans chapter 8, these are the sons of God. The Passion Translation says the mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. And in a culture that glorifies rationality at times, and even in the church where we find that a lot of the church values the Word over the Spirit. <laughs> Rather than the Word and the Spirit working together. We're nervous of that stuff. We're nervous of the stuff that we can't fully explain. But just because you can't explain it doesn't mean it's not biblical. And I think that statement that I just made is biblical, right? And I think that's what the Lord wants to teach us at the moment. Of course, it should be in alignment with Scripture. Of course, it should end up in reflecting something that looks like Jesus and his character and his nature. But sometimes our understanding of the Scripture only follows the initial birthing of something of the Spirit. The Spirit reveals the Scripture often to us. Even the Bible, the Spirit-inspired Word of God, doesn't try to box God in. We need the Spirit to give life to the Word. We need the Word and the Spirit moving together. Somebody once said it quite candidly, I guess. All Word and no Spirit, we dry up. All Spirit and no Word, we blow up but with both word and spirit, we grow up, right? The question isn't one more than the other. The question is we need both, more. We need more of the word and we need more of the spirit. If we want to look something like the early church in the book of Acts, we need more of the word and more of the spirit in our lives. And when it comes to revival times, what I want to propose today, are there are unusual actions of the spirit. Things that happen outside of what rational, logical thinking will tell you. And it's in the Bible. And it's in the history books. 
Duncan Campbell, I'm sure there's nobody here would ever say something like he wasn't a man of the word. Of course he was. He was a man of the word of God. He was a preacher. He knew the word back to front and left to right, whatever. He knew, he knew it. He really, really knew it. And yet when it came to his reflections on the move of God in the Hebrides, this is what he says. An awareness of God to be fully realized, it has to be felt. Now, some of us, they get a bit nervous at that kind of stuff. But the reality is, sometimes you just can't explain it, like Elliot said. But you know it's God. That is the workings of the Holy Spirit. And when the hand of God moves on a community, moves on a church, or moves on an area, you can't always explain it initially. You can't find chapter and verse necessarily that literally tells you this was going to happen. Let's think about Pentecost for a moment. So at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit, everybody's in agreement, I'm sure, moves on a community. It moves in power on a community. And in one way, there's a very clear scriptural precedent for what happened at Pentecost in Acts 2. We go to Joel 2, which Peter quoted after the Spirit was poured out, and it gave a biblical frame for what was happening in that moment. But there was lots of things that happened in Acts 2 that it doesn't tell you in Joel 2. So it doesn't tell you that there was going to be a wind that was going to flow through the room. It doesn't tell you even that there was going to be tongues of fire that were going to settle on people's head or things like that. It doesn't even necessarily tell you, literally, that everybody was going to speak in other tongues. It doesn't tell you that. So how did they know? They knew because it was the Spirit. There were manifestations of the Spirit at work, unusual signs, and yet when you look carefully at Scripture, you realize throughout the Old Testament, themes of fire, themes of wind, themes of people speaking in other languages are actually embedded in the Old Testament and therefore make sense in light of what's happening right now. That's why you need to know your Bible, right? But what I'm trying to say is it doesn't necessarily explain all the time what's happening in a literal sense. You have to be a person of the Spirit, or you have to be at least open to the leading and the discerning of the Spirit. Now listen to this from Bill Johnson. It's hard to have the same fruit as the early church when we value a book they didn't have above the Holy Spirit they did have. It's hard to have the same fruit as the early church when we have a book they didn't have above the Holy Spirit they did have. That statement is not intended to put any less value on Scripture. That would be a great mistake. I simply point to the fact that without the Holy Spirit, the Bible is a closed book. The Bible was written in such a way that only those in relationship with God have ongoing access to its mysteries. Just put that on, Matty. This thing isn't working properly, will you? The Holy Spirit opens our eyes to see the truth. Jesus is the truth we long to understand. Jesus Christ is perfect theology. The church camps around the sermon, Israel camped around the presence. Learning to recognize and treasure and carry this presence is at the heart of the Christian life. Recalibrating our hearts to the supreme value affects everything. I think Bill's right there. I think he's really provoking us to think. Not any less of Scripture. And hear me tonight. Right? I'm just about to finish reading the Bible in one year again. Right? I don't know how many times I've read the Bible from back to front. That's how much I value it. 
But these days, I don't want to read it without the illumination of the Spirit of God. I don't want to read it without the breath of God's Spirit all over the top of it. I don't, I don't, you know, because that is what Jesus said, my words bring life. And if you look closely at Acts 2, you'll see that these people who were filled with the Spirit were committed to the apostles' doctrine. So they were committed as people being filled with the Spirit to the Word of God in order to function and to look ultimately like Jesus, because that's what the apostles' doctrine did. But ultimately, they were embracing what the Spirit was doing. So that's Pente- go back, let's go back before Pentecost to the conception of Jesus. Let's go at this time of the year when we remember Jesus was born, when we remember His coming into the world. When God wanted to do something new, it wasn't rational. It wasn't logical. And though the people knew their scriptures really, really, really well, they really struggled when God did what God really wanted to do. Because Jesus came into the world through the conception by the Holy Spirit in the womb of a teenage girl. Like, seriously, how rational is that? How logical is that? How much can you get your brain around that? It's not logical. It's not rational. It's a thing of the Spirit. Now, here's a question for you. Was the birth of Jesus in line with Scripture? Yes. Like, nobody's going to say no to that. Well, then why did all the people who knew their Scriptures not get it? Why did they not discern it? Why did they not understand it? Why did all the people who knew the Bible really, really well when the Spirit did something new, bringing the Son of God into the world, why did they miss it? Because they weren't spiritually discerning. They valued the Word over the Spirit. <clears throat> and so when we look at the book of Acts, when we look, sorry, when we look at the book of Luke, who wrote his own gospel, obviously, and the book of Acts, but when we look at the book of Luke, it's uncanny in those first two chapters. I mean, it's like the Spirit is all over it. If you read it carefully, it's like heaven is pregnant and the Spirit is desiring. God is bursting to do something new in the world because he's been silent for 400 years. And now he's about to do something and the Spirit is moving. And so I'm just going to give you some examples. It starts off in Luke chapter 1 and it goes quite quickly to the story of Mary, uh, or sorry, Elizabeth and Zechariah, who are the parents of John the Baptist. And this is what it tells us. I, I'm going to read some of this, and then I'll get to this point. It says, Zechariah was, uh, when Zechariah's division was in duty, and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time of burning incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. Imagine, that's, I prayed that over my kids when they're in, and when they're in the womb. Filled with the Holy Spirit even before they were born. If the Spirit is revealing it all, and if it's not the Spirit, it's something in the Spirit realm. Angels. How did the shepherds know? Angels. How did the wise men know? God moving in the, in, in, in the heavenlies, if you like, with stars and things like that. <laughs> because God wants to make something known. 
and he's doing it by the Spirit. And so this young boy, John the Baptist, he's going to be filled with the Spirit because he's going to declare the Word of the Lord. So that's sacrament. How did Mary recognize it was something God was doing? Well, the angel comes to her, tells her she's highly favored, and that the Lord is with her, and that God is going to give her a baby, and she's going to call his name Jesus. And Mary responds like this, how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? It doesn't make any sense. I've, I've never been with a man in that way. How can I give birth to a son called Jesus? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Feel those words. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even your relative Elizabeth is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said unable to conceive is in her sixth month. From no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be fulfilled. You're going to conceive by the Spirit. It's not necessarily logical. It's not necessarily rational. But it's God doing something new. And so, uh, how did Elizabeth recognize it? A few verses later. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried into the town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, <laughs> and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. The baby leaps in her womb. When John the Baptist, whatever he was, six months or whatever, meets like Jesus a few months younger than him, like it's like, I don't know, some kind of spiritual telepathic thing. They, they, they kind of connect with each other because it's a thing of the Spirit. And her baby inside her leaps and kicks because she's just come into the presence of Jesus. Because when you come into the presence of Jesus, the Spirit is dynamic and energetic and generative and birthing things and starting things because it's a move of the Spirit. It's amazing. How did Simeon know? You jump into chapter 2, and there was a man called Simeon who was waiting for the Messiah to be born, an old man who went to the temple most days. How did he know that this was a thing of the Spirit? Let's see what it says. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And look, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by what? By the Spirit. By the Spirit, by the Spirit, by the Spirit. Now, he knew the Scriptures probably back to front this guy, but how did he know that this baby was going to be different than all the other babies? By the Spirit, that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the what? By the Spirit, by the Spirit. By the, moved by the Spirit, he went to the temple courts. And this old man gets to hold the baby Jesus in his arms before he dies. And he's able to go, this is the one. This is the one that all of Israel has been waiting for. And the reality is that baby just looked like every other baby, physically. How did he know? He knew. Because the Spirit was on him. The Spirit was moving on him. The Spirit was directing him. The Spirit was leading people to a revelation of God. Who got to realize that Jesus was Jesus? The people who were open to the moving of the Spirit. It was revelation 
And yet, it was in line with all the scriptures. It was in line with everything that had ever been prophesied. The scriptures give credibility to what the Spirit was doing. Because the Spirit points people to Jesus. Because the Spirit loves Jesus. And then for those who weren't sure if this was a thing of the Spirit still or not, when Jesus is 30, when he walks along the banks of the River Jordan where John the Baptist is baptizing people, in the next chapter, chapter 3, John the Baptist, when he recognizes this is the Lamb of God, slain before the foundation of the world, that this is the Lamb of God that all the scriptures do prophesy, he was able to say, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come. The straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. He's going to immerse you. He's going to immerse you in the Spirit. He's going to fully baptize who you are into the Spirit. And so how, how do we know God's going to do something? How do we know if God's going to do something? We know it in our spirits. If you're sensing in your spirit that maybe God wants to do something, it's a good thing. If you're here tonight and you're not maybe even a follower of Jesus or you're trying to work all this out, but you feel like something in your spirit, like something deeper, something beyond just your kind of rational thought. I mean, like in your head, you know all the things that you need to do anyway for the most part. But you just know within your spirit that needs to be given to God. That's the Holy Spirit working on you, moving on you. And I, and I really choose to believe, but I think I have Holy Spirit discernment on this in conversation with our other leaders as well, that not entirely unlike what we see at the start of the book of Luke, where the Spirit is moving, creating what I would call Messiah expectation. That in our hearts and in this place at the moment, that the Spirit is doing that. He's moving on people. I shared the story of Elliot tonight. Well, he shared it. <laughs> but we could have shared loads of others. The way the Spirit was moving on his people. And it, I, don't, I, don't, I don't mean this to come across. I, I kind of even sense tonight that the enemy, the enemy wants us to miss that. I, I actually even feel coming in here tonight, nearly that there's like a, a, sleep, a sleepiness that the, whole, that the enemy wants to put on us, you know. He just kind of wants to kind of like, you know, just like make us kind of sleepy. And I, I, I know we could be just not, not naturally tired in a way. At this time of the year, I feel naturally tired. But I feel like there's kind of like a spiritual kind of lethargy coming not from God that he wants to put on us to actually miss what he wants to do. And it feels like everything in us should just like wind this thing down, pull a few crackers at Christmas, tell a few awful jokes, and eat some turkey, right? And... And what I want to say is, I think that we should all have a really good time this Christmas. I think we should celebrate family, celebrate what Jesus has done, have a holiday, do all that kind of stuff. But what I feel like the Holy Spirit is also saying is, lean in. And what about this Christmas, that maybe we don't over-sentimentalize this thing this year? And what about if we, like Mary, choose to believe that maybe at this particular time of the year, what the Spirit is actually doing is overshadowing us. 
overshadowing his people. That's what he did with Mary. And conceiving some things that are only of and can only be from his precious Holy Spirit. Because here's what I feel like the Lord is almost even giving me permission to say it today. I think prophetically that we are going to give birth to some stuff in 2020. I mean, I think some of you are already carrying revival in your spirits. I know some of you are. Some of you have already, the, the seed, if you like, of revival has already been planted in you over this series. You're carrying something. It's in your spiritual womb, right? And what we need to do is bless that and nurture that. And some of the rest of us are even over this period, we're going to conceive because I believe in 2020, we're going to give birth to some things. And we're never going to be the same again. So posture yourself for a move of God's Spirit because it can only and ever be a thing of God's Spirit. And what I want to do as I finish is invite some of us. I mean, I don't know whatever way to put it other than we're just a wee bit scared of the Spirit. And that's okay, you know, because I used to be. But I just feel like the Father saying today, he was my promise. He, he was the promise that I had for you. And when would I ever give you something, the Father said, that would harm you? When would I ever give you something that's going to like make you feel like less than yourself? Why would I ever give you something that's going to devalue you? I want to give you my Holy Spirit, my own personal presence pouring into your heart so that you can become like my son Jesus and that you can carry my heart to the nations. That's what he wants to do. And so just where we're standing now, maybe the, maybe the band would get up and get ready. I just love us to sit here for a moment. Let's just try and not miss this moment. Jesus. Jesus. So I just feel like the Holy Spirit just he just wants to overshadow us tonight. It's just to brood over his people. The Holy Spirit is inside you, and He is, if you've asked Jesus to become your Savior. Then you'll start to recognize, maybe if your heart's open to it, His presence here tonight. And if you don't know Jesus, but His Spirit is drawing you here tonight, and His Spirit, even throughout the time together tonight, has been at work at you. And you 
You'll know his presence here tonight too. And I think what we're supposed to do tonight, I think what we're supposed to do tonight is just respond like Mary did. When we know it's a thing of the spirit, when we have that kind of deep knowing in the part of us that just knows things, it's a spirit part of us. I think, even though it's not necessarily all rational in your brain, I think what we're supposed to do tonight is just to do what Mary did. And say, be it on to me, God. Just say yes. Just say yes to whatever the Spirit's doing. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. So if you just, um, if you just feel like feel like you just want to say yes to whatever he's doing in you and it feels really pertinent and strong in you tonight I just want to encourage you to stand where you're where, where you are if you can stand and I just want to respond and say yes just stand wherever you are I just want to pray for you come Holy Spirit come Holy Spirit we're all at different parts in this journey you know where you are in this journey just just take a moment wherever you are before the Lord in your journey with him just take a moment wherever you are and just say just say yes be some people and the thing that you just need to say to Jesus tonight you're not sure where this is all going to lead but the thing that you just need to say to Jesus tonight is Lord I relinquish control I relinquish control I'm sorry for just trying to like work it all out first and not trusting the moving of your spirit I really don't want to force this on anyone tonight so please don't feel this as a pressure but just as an exhortation, I think there's some people and you're maybe still sitting actually and you just need to stand and you just need to say the Holy Spirit I relinquish control come Holy Spirit come Holy Spirit
Jesus, I just speak over your sons and daughters. And together we say, not by might, not by power, not our own power, by your spirit, by your spirit, by your spirit. So come now, Holy Spirit. Come on your sons and daughters, oh God. Come, Holy Spirit. We just say, come and have your way. Have your way. Overshadow. Overshadow. Come, Holy Spirit. Overshadow your people. Overshadow your people in these moments. Holy Spirit, would you start to conceive, God, the, the designs of heaven, the plans of the kingdom. Come, Holy Spirit. Even in these moments, the Spirit of God is just netting himself deep into your spirit, really deep. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, we say yes, and we say yes to all that you've done. Yes and amen to all that you're doing. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.